Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labuba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today we are continuing our study in the book of Acts. The title of today's lesson is Acts 4, the third resurrection witness. And we're going to begin by reading from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 up to verse 14, which says this. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Chapter 4 opens with the Apostles' third public opportunity to declare the gospel. What is different about this opportunity is that they were now standing before a very hostile audience. These were the very men who had demanded Jesus be crucified. It was certain they wouldn't receive the apostles' words favorably. So, we find the apostles in a new situation from what we've seen so far. I want us to try to place ourselves in their position, so we might appreciate their example more. Jesus predicted that his followers would be his witnesses to all people, even to kings and rulers in high places. In Matthew 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. We see that the Apostle Paul was even sent by God to share the gospel with Caesar, the most powerful man in the world at that time. In Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says, The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, we read the, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. 
And from Paul's salutation in the book of Philippians, we can see that perhaps even some of Caesar's own relatives came to saving faith in Christ through the apostle Paul's witness to them. In Philippians 4 verse 22, it says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. We see Jesus has sent us to declare the gospel to each and every person. But who is it easier to share the gospel with? Strangers that you don't really know, or your friends, or your co-workers that you see all the time? Is it easier to share the gospel with a, a poor person that everyone despises, or your, your own president or ruler of your country? Several years back, there was a prominent pastor in Uganda who was given an appointment to meet with President Museveni. The pastor declared before the meeting that he was going to boldly rebuke the president for corruption in the country and the sins of leaders. But it's one thing to speak boldly beforehand, and it's another thing to actually be bold when you face your nation's leaders. Instead of rebuking the president, the pastor went away from the meeting with a nice new car and a title given him by the president, appointing him head of his denomination in the region. An, an appointment, by the way, that no pastor should respect biblically, but one nonetheless accepted by this pastor. We can condemn such behavior. However, what would we ourselves do if given the same chance? Would we be faithful in that meeting to declare the truth? I want us to see what the apostles did in their opportunity. Did Peter hold back the truth from these men? Did he shy away from accusing them of their guilt? No, we see him giving the same exact accusation he made in his previous two sermons. These people, who were the builders of the nation, had rejected the cornerstone God had laid. Then they tried to cover up the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So Peter makes sure to clarify that the power to heal the lame man had come from the risen Christ. Remember, the Sadducees, who were the ruling party among the Sanhedrin at this moment in the Jewish council, rejected the idea of life after death in their theology. So Peter reminding them of the resurrection of Christ was flying in the face of everything that they believed and taught. Then Peter tells them that there is salvation in no other name than Jesus. Just as Jesus said in his ministry, no man comes to the Father except through me. What do these first three resurrection witnesses make very clear to us? That we must boldly tell people the truth and not tiptoe around the real issues. Peter didn't change his method in any of his statements. He didn't say, oh, if we emphasize this, we can get a better reaction. He didn't say, we need to change the message so more people will listen to it. No, he declared God's message, and we see the hearts of the listeners were left in God's hands. This is what it means to be a faithful witness. Jesus calls us his ambassadors, witnesses, and messengers. The book of Proverbs says this about faithful and unfaithful messengers. In Proverbs 25, verse 13, it says, Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. When you can send a faithful person to do something important, your heart is at peace. 
because you know this person is faithful. In chapter 25, verse 19, the opposite is, is said to be true of someone you know to be unfaithful. Verse 19 of Proverbs 25 says, Trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. You know that at the worst time, this thing is going to fail you. That's an unfaithful person. In ancient times, most people couldn't read. If you wanted to relay a message, you had to send someone on your behalf to represent your words. Do you like your words to be represented accurately? Do you like when someone puts words in your mouth that you didn't actually say? Obviously, we hate it when people do that to us. So how do you think Jesus feels about many people's representation of his gospel? Let's be faithful to the truth. This requires us to be ready in season and out of season. It also requires that we be no respecter of persons, but truly only care what our master, Jesus Christ, wants us to do. Notice how these academic lawyers and priests react to the boldness of Peter and the apostles. It says they were shocked by their words and the way that they said them. What could they know for sure from this boldness? What did they conclude from the way that these men spoke to them? It says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It was the power of Christ and relationship with him that had transformed these ordinary men, made up of fishermen and other low trades, to be bold ambassadors for the King of Kings. When we speak, can people recognize we also have been with Jesus? Are we being faithful to the message that Jesus has given us to declare? Or are we misrepresenting his words, proving ourselves to be liars and unfaithful witnesses? God bless you all.